0: It's Friday, September 8th, and this is Pennsylvania Legacies, the podcast series from the Pennsylvania Environmental Council. I'm Josh Rollerson. Maybe you've heard solar energy technology keeps getting cheaper. But for homeowners and businesses looking to invest in solar, the upfront costs are still pretty steep. Well the good news is there are all kinds of tax credits, assistance, discounts, and other incentives out there to make the initial buy-in a little less painful. The bad news is, for most consumers, taking advantage of those opportunities can be a difficult and confusing process. And even then, that reduced cost is still usually high enough that it requires some amount of financing. It's a lot of details to take care of. But what if consumers could circumvent the red tape and let somebody else handle all that paperwork?
1: The idea would be to basically make it so you don't have to do any of the, of the labor hunting down the whatever subsidies or rebates might be available. And that would just all be kind of rolled into one process.
0: One-stop turnkey financing is one of several newer ideas for getting the clean energy economy up and running in Pennsylvania. A pair of new reports from the Nature Conservancy and the Coalition for Green Capital explores those possibilities and finds vast potential for investment in renewables and energy efficiency in the Commonwealth. We'll take a look inside that research in just a minute. First, a postcard from one of the 15 river outings that received funding this year from the Pennsylvania River Sojourn's mini-grant program administered by our affiliate, the Pennsylvania Organization for Watersheds and Rivers. the River Sojourns are a way to get Pennsylvanians outdoors and onto their local waterways to explore and learn about what each area has to offer. Often there's a theme, and sometimes it's truly inspired. Maybe the most unique concept we heard about this year combines whiskey, kayaks, an 18th century agrarian revolt, and of course, the music of David Bowie. Amy Camp helped organize the trip.
2: Rebel Rebel Float Trip is an exclusive themed river experience in which... The Mon River Towns program partnered with Venture Outdoors to take 30 people out onto the Monongahela River. The goal was to expose new people to the river and into its river towns and to do so in a funky and new kind of way. One of our goals was to be able to tell the history of the Whiskey Rebellion, which is a really um, important historical uh, series of events that, that happened here in western Pennsylvania. It was important to us to to honor the history of the rebellion, and so therefore we had live interpreters telling that story as we paddled and uh, as we were on shore of the riverbanks. These are a people who do not take injustice lightly. And these songs of this Mr.
1: Bowie, they seem to speak to this very experience.
2: (laughs) The way that we came about the David Bowie connection was just playing with the idea of rebellion and the word rebel, and then we arrived at his song rebel rebel so that's how that happened we
0: will share our stories you will paddle upon the (laughs) river, and the music of this mr bowie will tie it all
2: together rebel rebel you went out west rebel rebel that life was the best rebel rebel how could you know
1: the income is what you own
2: and after we paddled We also ended up having a party, so we had uh, music and food and cocktails with Wiggle Whiskey and had a grand celebration, I think, and um, we hope that we can do it again.
0: Organizer Amy Camp told us about the Rebel Rebel float trip held earlier this summer in southwestern Pennsylvania. That audio was taken from a short video of the outing that we put together featuring costumed historical reenactors and some of the scenery the participants enjoyed out on the Monongahela River. You can view that video at our website, peckpa.org. Pennsylvania is a major energy producer, a major generator of electricity, also, not coincidentally, a major emitter of carbon dioxide. There is, however, a growing body of research to suggest that Pennsylvania could also be a major producer of wealth in the clean energy market. The Coalition for Green Capital has been studying the economic potential of renewables and energy efficiency projects. Nick Klein contributed to a pair of reports released this year by the Coalition for Green Capital on behalf of the Nature Conservancy, research analyzing the opportunity that Pennsylvania has and what it will take to realize that potential. Nick Klein joins us now. Nick, welcome.
1: Thank you. Happy to be here.
0: Let's start by looking at the primary focus of the reports that you guys have put out recently, the potential of investing in, in clean energy. We often talk about the climate potential. Pennsylvania is the third largest emitter of CO2 in the nation, so obviously reducing our output would make a big difference on a larger scale. We don't hear as much about the economic potential. That's what you focused on. So tell me, what's at stake here? What kind of money is potentially on the table?
1: Uh, Quite a bit, actually. We have made rough calculations uh, based on the available data around Pennsylvania. And we've calculated that the economically viable projects in Pennsylvania range in the billions. In the distributed clean energy technology, meaning clean energy projects that are less than utility scale or smaller than utility scale. It ranges from somewhere to seven to nine billion dollars worth of economically viable uh, clean energy projects. And this would be
0: things like rooftop solar panels and the like?
1: Exactly, exactly. Building efficiency, micro hydro. And uh, if you add in some of the larger utility scale potential, it's an additional uh, nine to ten billion dollars. And I I do want to caveat this, though, That's you couldn't do all of the economically viable clean energy projects across the entire state if you did, hypothetically, $3 billion worth of clean energy projects. That would change the economics of the remaining currently economically viable clean energy projects. I hope that wasn't too confusing.
0: No, no, a lot of variables, clearly, but at a minimum, lots of money to be made. Is that fair?
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: What is stopping investors from jumping on this opportunity right now? What are the obstacles to realizing this potential?
1: Generally, when when we think about clean energy as an investment, uh, there are kind of three legs to the stool to make sure that clean energy is an attractive investment. There's the technology leg, there's the policy leg, and there's the finance leg. The technology has to be at a place where it's commercially viable, where it can be deployed at scale. The policy has to be such that it facilitates this. You know, there has to be uh, net metering, for example, that allows customers or building owners to sell the electricity that they generate back to the grid, which Pennsylvania has in its own form. Um, and then the third leg is, is finance. Uh, basically a way to deal with the large upfront costs of, of clean energy, much like you would for a house or a car. You don't pay all cash for a house, you don't pay all cash for a car, you pay a little bit over time. And you really need that that third leg, the finance piece, in place to make clean energy widely deployable for a lot of Pennsylvanians.
0: So focusing on the technology leg of of the three-legged stool there, not all energy technologies are created equal in terms of their economic viability under current conditions. The wind power industry, for example, as I understand it, it's not as hard to finance those projects uh, as it might be for something
1: else. Exactly, yeah, and, and it's also not just the technology itself, but the, the scale at which it's deployed. So solar, for example, has been economically viable for the, for a decade or more uh, in certain geographies, as has wind, as has uh, efficiency. Newer technologies like anaerobic digesters are, are becoming economically viable. There are still some technologies that are not quite there yet. Some forms of uh, ocean generation, for example, uh, are still in development. They're in the R&D phase. Uh, we're interested in the in the technologies that are well beyond the R&D phase, that are have been commercially deployed widely, and are ready to basically get uh, custom-built financing products for them to kind of help them reach deeper markets. You know, uh, the solar panels and and wind uh, turbines have been deployed at the utility scale, that's in the thousands of megawatts, you know, hundreds of megawatts scale very large. But uh, in the commercial and residential scale, there's a lot more kind of low-hanging fruit in terms of the solar efficiency and other clean energy technologies to be deployed. A lot of opportunities in in those uh, sectors.
0: Looking at financing, where would you say the need is greatest? Is it in the commercial or the residential sector?
1: It's hard to say. There's, there's a great need in both. There's a lot of uh, opportunities in both for a few different technologies. So I don't know that there's one kind of standing out high above the others. I can cite from our report that uh, it looks like some of the calculations that we've done, solar and efficiency, and I guess fuel switching, all, all look pretty good. And that's across both residential and uh, commercial.
0: So, tell me more about the financing models that you've been looking at. What have other states tried? What might be worth pursuing for Pennsylvania?
1: Certainly, yeah. Two kind of early pioneers in the in the kind of innovative financing approach have been Connecticut and New York. Connecticut that has something called the Connecticut Green Bank, and uh, they've essentially developed turnkey financing products that make it incredibly easy for customers and for contractors to finance and deploy clean energy, uh, both in the residential and commercial scale. And beyond being turnkey, meaning eliminating all possible paperwork barriers and time barriers and things that would normally derail clean energy projects, there's been a big focus on de-risking investments for the private sector, for private lenders. So Connecticut Green Bank has had a very big focus on using its capital to leverage private investment into the clean energy space by de-risking private investment and there's a there's a number of ways to do that but those are those are both uh, techniques that I think have a lot of potential in Pennsylvania the turnkey financing approach where you create a financial product that is seamless that is incredibly smooth for both the customer and the contractor just to make it possible to do high volume of a lot of these deals without too much headache and the de-risking private entry approach where a financing entity in Pennsylvania could create something like a loan loss reserve or take a subordinated position on uh, a debt investment with another private lender that basically make the private lender feel more comfortable entering the space and kind of developing more experience in the clean energy space such that they would feel like the risks, they understand the risks and maybe the, the risks are lower than they, than they thought they were and It would offer capital at at more affordable rates.
0: And the idea of a turnkey product, this would be like if I wanted to put a solar panel on my roof, I know there are various incentives and resources available. Probably some of them are available right now, but I don't know how to access them. I don't know how to pull all these pieces together. This would be a way to to kind of support that. So it's not even the financing as such, although I guess that's part of it. Uh, It's just sort of a, a support um, system
1: is that right exactly, exactly, yeah, the idea would be to, in the case of you, basically make it so you don 't have to do any of the of the labor hunting down the whatever subsidies or rebates might be available, and that would just all be kind of rolled into one process, and the kind of work of connecting all the dots and making sure everything lines up is is not done by the customer
0: one possible solution that people are talking about for some of these challenges. Is, is something called an energy investment partnership. Can you, can you explain what that
1: means? Sure, yeah. So uh, energy investment partnerships uh, are also known by other names. Green Bank is another common term that we hear for them. Um, essentially what that is, is it's an infrastructure bank that only invests in uh, clean energy projects um, or an investment fund that only invests in clean energy projects. It's not investing in companies. And it it's, has two broad categories of activities, uh, financing and market development. Financing would be offering loans and, and uh, credit enhancements to other lenders, and market development would be uh, basically uh, engaging the contractor community and uh, and potentially uh, partnering with other existing entities uh, active in this space to Help the market understand what's available and what makes sense for for consumers, and an EIP essentially has its own staff. It's an independent uh, entity that's very market oriented. It's not a, it's not a government agency, uh, and it has its own balance sheet, so it can uh, make investments and and uh, and recapitalize by selling off uh, existing bet investments. Um, one one famous and, and I think the first uh, EIP ever created in the in the country is the Connecticut Green Bank, which uh, I think to date has made about uh, uh, $300 million in clean energy investments off its own balance sheet, which has leveraged uh, around $700 million of private capital into the clean energy market. So that, with that initial approximately $300 million worth of investment over about five years, they've created a billion dollars worth of clean energy investment in, in the state of Connecticut. So that's kind of the model that uh, we're looking at. And so how, how an EIP works is it basically, it gets some uh, operating capital uh, to pay staff and, and to set up an office and uh, things like that. And then it gets some investing capital, capital that it can use toward creating a product, whether it's a, 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 energy efficient, a residential energy efficiency financing product or a commercial solar financing product, um, something that contractors can use to help their customers uh, finance a project, or from the other perspective, uh, something that customers can use to to finance um, solar panels on their roofs. And uh, the, the Energy Investment Partnership, because it's lending out its money, it's not giving it away as grants, it, it's making back money in the, in the form of principal and interest payments. And so it ha- it'll have a revenue stream that it can then turn around and reuse towards its mission, uh, which is you know, uh, broadly deploying more clean energy and getting more uh, private investment in the clean energy space. It can recapitalize itself. It's, it's, it's fiscally uh, self-sustaining. Um, and a key uh, kind of purpose behind uh, the financing activity of an EIP, or Energy Investment Partnership, is to de-risk the private entry into the clean energy financing space, uh, whether it's with a loan loss reserve, or subordinated debt, or uh, warehousing uh, uh, investments. It, it makes the private lenders more comfortable uh, offering products to to clean energy, uh, offering financing to clean energy projects. And and the the end goal here is to make it as easy to finance. Uh, a rooftop solar system, as it is to finance a house or a car, you want capital widely available and widely affordable, and to do that, you, you need the private sector to, to be involved um, and you want it to be and uh, a final uh, role that the, that the EIP plays is to make it as easy as possible to get clean energy from the, from the customer perspective and from the contractor perspective. You don't want any unnecessary headaches, any unnecessary paperwork, you want it streamlined. So you can do more volume and uh, basically get the ball rolling uh, faster than it otherwise would. One thing that clean energy projects have that that homes and cars do not is that they they have a revenue stream. Uh, Whether it's savings or whether it's the money that's made from selling electricity back to the grid, uh, a, a homeowner or a building owner that puts uh, solar panels on their roof uh, gets a cash flow from 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 doing that and the the idea behind an energy uh, investment partnership would be to structure the financing so the cash flow is more than the cost of the financing so it 's cash flow positive for the end user. so the idea would be a homeowner would save uh, one hundred and fifty dollars a month. Uh, in electricity bills, their electricity bills would go down by $150, so they'd essentially be making $150 every month, and they'd only pay, say, $90 uh, every month to pay off the financing for the, the solar panels, so it would be cash flow positive for them. Other benefits include improved property value and, and increased net operating income for, for commercial properties, and, and just uh, simply improved comfort of for building occupants. There's also kind of the macroeconomic benefit of homeowners and building owners getting savings and using their additional savings within the Pennsylvania economy. There's the local jobs that cannot be outsourced, the, the contractors and the uh, developers. And then there's the, I mean, this is a new field of research, but there are the avoided health care costs from the increased air quality, the improved air quality. There are some studies that are showing that, wide deployment of clean energy and, and energy efficiency dramatically reduces rates of asthma and other respiratory issues. So there's the benefit of the avoided health care costs. So yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a mouthful and it's a bit of a complicated subject, but we really see a lot of advantages to the model and we're excited to see if it, how this model will be applied in, in Pennsylvania.
0: So what's the next most important piece that needs to fall into place to get Pennsylvania on this
1: path? That's an open question. You know, there are Definitely, certain policy changes that could help the enabling environment in Pennsylvania. The SREC market, for example, it could be a closed borders for that. Their uh, net metering is now a lot of the competitive electricity retailers, ESGS is what they're called. They can offer net metering on an optional basis. It would be great if all electricity retailers offered uh, net metering. But on the on the financing piece, there are a handful of entities in. Pennsylvania that are doing clean energy financing. But a point that we make in uh, one of the reports is that it's it's a bit of a complicated landscape. And if there was one kind of central hub, one central clearinghouse that kind of connected to all these resources and maybe had some of its resources of its own to fill the gaps, you know, if there's a gap recently opened in the residential efficiency lending market. So if there was kind of a central entity in, in EIP in uh, Pennsylvania to kind of connect customers to existing resources make existing resources a little bit more streamlined offer new resources to fill gaps that we think could have the potential to really you know, amp up the, the clean energy market in pennsylvania and then the first step to creating that is essentially finding the capital to on one side the operating capital to pay a staff and to stand up the organization and on the other side investing capital to fill any gaps with any new kind of financial products that might be useful
0: there are two reports currently available from the coalition for green capital on the nature conservancy website is where i found them at nature.org focusing on pennsylvania and much more obviously about clean energy financing again nick klein a researcher with the coalition for green capital thanks so much for your time today
1: thank you josh this was a pleasure
0: That's it for this week's show. We'll be back next Friday with another edition of Pennsylvania Legacies. You can find all of our past episodes on the website. Once again, it's p e c p a Of course, all of our past episodes live on iTunes and SoundCloud as well. You can listen to us on Google Play if you have an Android device. You can find us on Stitcher as well, and you can plug us into any Podcatcher app and uh, take us with you in the format that you prefer. Wherever you take us, we appreciate it if you take a moment to rate and review the show on whatever platform you use. And by all means, get in touch with your feedback and comments on the show. Let us know what you'd like to hear more or less of by sending an email to legacies, L-E-G-A-C-I-E-S, at peckpa.org. Of course, you can always get in touch with us on Facebook or on Twitter. We're at PeckPA. Until next week, for the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, I'm Josh Rollerson, and thanks for listening.